Hi, everyone. Welcome to Meet the Podcasters. This is James Deeney. My guest today is Chris Williamson, host of the Modern Wisdom Podcast. If you're someone who hasn't started a podcast yet, but you've been thinking about it for a while, kind of putting it off on the back burner, this episode will definitely give you a very helpful kick in the ass to stop procrastinating and get things moving. Chris is someone who definitely does not shy away from putting the work in when it comes to publishing great content week in, week out. Since the beginning of his podcast two years ago, he's deliberately kept a high bar on quality and that's something he's consistently maintained over time. So if you listen to a lot of podcasts yourself, you'll definitely recognize some of the previous guests Chris has had on Modern Wisdom. People like Aubrey Marcus, who runs On It with Joe Rogan, multiple New York Times bestselling author Robert Greene, the journalist and political commentator Douglas Murray. The list really could go on and on here, so I highly recommend checking out his show. And that's actually what initially prompted me to reach out to Chris. I was seriously impressed by the quality of interviews he was putting out there, and I wanted to try and find out more about his journey with his podcast so far. In this conversation, Chris gives a ton of practical information for anyone who's thinking about getting into podcasting. We cover things like tips for launching your podcast as effectively as possible, how to convince big name guests to come on your show even when you're just starting out. And Chris also shares some wisdom on how to prioritize your time when you're trying to balance your podcast with other responsibilities. And of course, we also get into lots of other areas as well. You can find all the links to the resources we mentioned in this episode on the podcast.co website, and I recommend checking those out. This is Meet the Podcasters, episode six with Chris Williamson. I'm joined today by Chris Williamson, host of the Modern Wisdom Podcast. Thanks for coming on the show, Chris. It's a pleasure, James. Now, before we actually get into this conversation, I'm going to hold my hands up and make a confession. This is actually the second time that I'm speaking with Chris because I made a rookie <laughs> podcaster error yesterday by forgetting to download the audio file from the in-browsers uh, recording software that I'm actually using. So that recording is now lost forever out there somewhere in the digital ether, and we can't get hold of that again. Uh, making that mistake is bad enough whoever you are, but it's especially embarrassing when you actually work for a podcasting company. <laughs> so watch out for that one, guys. Um, lesson number one. Exactly, yeah. Wow. All, all that drama aside, Chris was gracious enough to come back and join me again for take two of this conversation. And I know it's going to be a good one because yesterday you were dropping some seriously useful nuggets of information, some podcasting hacks that will be really useful to anyone that's thinking about getting into podcasting themselves. Uh, and I'm going to make sure that we hit on some of those key points again this time around. So that's enough about my little mishap yesterday. So let's get into it, Chris. <laughs> yeah, good to go, mate. We had a dry run yesterday. It's fine now. Yeah, yeah. Bit of practice, bit of practice. Um, so before we start talking about Modern Wisdom, the podcast itself, could you just give us a bit of background on you, uh, first of all? Sure. So Chris Williamson, I'm a business owner from the north of England. Uh, I've been running club nights for 13 years. So I've seen about a million drunk people go in and out of them, which is quite a unique sort of exposure. Um, I did Take Me Out. I did Love Island. Um, I've done modeling for quite a while. I was a DJ for a while. A uh, bit of a jack of all trades with stuff like that, I suppose. I got I get bored easily. Uh, I think that probably shows in how many projects I tend to have going on. Mm. Um, and yeah, that sort of takes me up to a few years ago. 
And it was two years ago that you you started the Modern Wisdom podcast. So uh, what was the genesis of that? How did it come about initially? You've got loads of very interesting information here, James. Where have you got this it background degree from? You, yeah, I just I dig around the internet. You know, you'd be amazed <laughs> what you can find. It's crazy these days. It's so almost like you Google. know what I'm going to say. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, um, I was a guest on the Propane Fitness Podcast, which is a fantastic podcast by two of my buddies. Um, really enjoyed the process. I found it quite therapeutic and sort of nourishing in a way that I wasn't finding myself being satisfied outside of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Really enjoyed it, thought, this is cool. I wish I could do this more. And then thought, hang on, I can do this more. Just start your own podcast. So yeah, two years ago, start of 2018, uh, I began recording, uh, backloaded some episodes, and then um, I think halfway through February 2018, published on the first one and then been going ever since now up to 140 episodes um, and 1.4 million downloads, something like that. Mm, that's impressive. And with the, the consistency that you're publishing episodes, like it, it is hard to maintain that. But as we kind of discussed yesterday as well, the the, the range uh, and the breadth of different topics that you cover, it's it's quite a lot. You basically just talk to whoever you're most interested in speaking to, um, but that makes your show quite hard to define. So if someone has never heard of Modern Wisdom, how would you summarize it uh, to people? Uh, what's the elevator pitch basically for the podcast? <laughs> so the synopsis is learn about yourself and the world around you two episodes every week with the most interesting humans on the planet. Mm. Um, that's how I've put it together. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, my I have quite a low tolerance for boredom and quite a high desire for novelty and curiosity. And I just try and satisfy that hunger, I suppose. I have a genuine interest in every guest that I speak to. And it's selfishly, it's just for me, the project's literally just for me. Honestly, the fact that people tune in is just a byproduct of it. But I, I want to talk to um, David Pierce about transhumanism and biotechnology and how we might live for a thousand years. Or I want to talk to Douglas Murray about his new book, The Madness of Crowds. Or I want to talk to Ben Greenfield about his favorite biohacks from his new book, Boundless, or whatever it might be. Um, I, I'm interested in them. And that comes across, I think, in the episodes. Yeah, definitely. And um, that's the, one of the things that, that really does stand out about your podcast is the, the quality and the caliber of guests that you've had on right from the very beginning. Um, that's what grabbed my attention about your podcast. And looking through your episodes and seeing that consistently high bar um, on the people that you're having on the show. And as you told me yesterday, that, that was a very deliberate effort on your part, Chris, right? Yeah, for sure. I think with podcasting, it's weird because there's no there's no play count. You can go onto a YouTube channel and you can think that the video's shit, mm. but if it's got 5 million views, you think, oh, fucking hell, this guy must be competent at what he does, which is actually quite bizarre, right? And Instagram are kind of moving away from this by, by removing the likes. But um, yeah, certainly one of the things that people signal off with podcasts is who were the previous guests. Mm. So fortunately, I managed to get Dave Castro and Dan Bailey um, who's director of the CrossFit Games and a four-times games athlete. Um, I, I managed to get them on episode two and episode three. Um, 
and then a couple of other sort of moderate names from there. And as soon as I had those in the locker, the email that was being sent around to people obviously looked a lot more enticing because it had some names that they recognized. Mm-hmm. And that just compounds over time. Um, and there's like maybe a top five big dick names now that sit in that pitch email that I send to prospective new guests. Mm. And, you know, you know, someone else comes in. Aubrey Marcus was on a couple of months ago, one of the biggest podcasters on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, he takes... He takes top spot, and then and then someone sadly gets moved out. Obviously, the guests will never know what order I, I have them prioritized in. But uh, yeah, that's that's how I did it, and I found it to be a an effective strategy to keep the keep the quality of the content high, both as a a signal to prospective guests and prospective subscribers, um, but also just generally because, especially with my publishing schedule, twice a week. You know, there's there's some people out there that consume a lot of content. I'm one of them. But if you're publishing two hours, two and a half hours, maybe three hours of content a week, how much spare time have people really got to listen? And I don't want to give them an episode that they don't think that's, that's really good. Now, some of them might not be for the audience, one sliver of the audience particularly, one that might not be interested in health and fitness, one that might not be interested in uh, science or physics or whatever it might be. Um, but I want there to be as consistent, high quality as possible because every subscriber that I get, I want to, I want to have them tuning in as regularly as I can. Yeah. And it's about, yeah, anyone, people find podcasts in all sorts of different ways. And it's about w- whatever episode they happen to land on first. You want, it, First impressions do matter a lot. And if you can feel confident in yourself that what I put out over the course of this podcast has been good. There hasn't been any episodes where I just thought, oh, I'll just shift that out the door because I'm, I, I really need to get some content out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that That really compounds and it makes a difference in terms of Finding people who will find your podcast and then they'll think, oh, that was great. I, I need to listen listen to more of that. 100%. Um, but in terms of if there is someone starting a podcast and they're thinking, oh, well, like, how, how do I get big name guests uh, on the show when I haven't even started yet? I, I don't have much of a following. And I suppose that isn't an easy task. That is a bit of a, a hurdle to get over. Um, but would you say that if you are planning on doing it, it's worth biding your time and planning as much as you possibly can before you launch the podcast into the world? Or what would be your advice to someone that's in that position thinking like, oh, I, I need to get some kind of uh, big name guest in these first few interviews that I'm doing in order to make my life easier going going forward? Yeah, good question. So I think a couple of things. First off, Tim Ferriss did a podcast, which is How to Start a Podcast podcast. And it's from late 2017. So he released that about two months before I released Modern Wisdom, which was just total serendipitous timing from Tim. So thank you, Tim. (laughs) Um, So first thing, go listen to that, because much of what I did to launch Modern Wisdom, and it was quite effective, much of that was caused by by Tim's advice. Um, Next up, I would say you probably don't actually want to have a huge name guest for your first few episodes if you've not podcasted before. I had the fortune of being on the Propane Fitness Podcast for 10 hours plus, 15 hours, plus I'd then recorded some other ones before. Like if you sit down with someone who's an experienced podcaster or a you know an author that's been doing the rounds or whatever it might be, um, if you sit down with them and you're bumbling through your words, that 
you know, if that's the big episode that you're going off the back of, it's actually potentially going to do you a disservice. Um, so <clears throat> you do need to be careful with that. But yeah, I think start off by practicing with your friends. Um, you know, just get some mates around that you know are quite lucid and talk well and just have a conversation. Okay, so mate, we're just going to have a, t- a talk about and pick the topic that both of you know quite well. If you're into politics, you know, talk about Brexit. If you're into music, talk about that. If you just want to talk about, you know, pop culture and what's going on on Love Island or whatever it might be, you know, pick your, pick your battleground, have a go, and then listen back to it. I still listen back to my episodes now when I get chance to kind of coach myself through it. So I'd say that. And then when it comes to kind of landing those first few big guests, all of us somewhere have a friend who is positioned to potentially get you in with someone. You know, someone works at Spotify, high up at Spotify and happens to know the uh, the marketing director for the UK or your friend knows whatever it might be. So I got a friend, Lucy, um, who's on the marketing team for uh, Reebok Europe, quite high up in that. And she just got this position and she desperately needed some social activations and um, a podcast to go down to London and that happened like the week that I was about to release. Hey, do you want to come down? Reebok will pay for you to come down. Come down, shoot Dan Bailey and, and Dave Castro. I was like, I, of course. So you know that was just that was just fortune. So building up, building up the networks and just having to think. You know, you will have some friend somewhere that you, your mate knows the guy that is the MD of Soreen, or so, you know, just something cool and different and, and has a bit of a name behind it. And yeah, you just start growing from there. Yeah. Um, so in terms of you mentioned you were on the the Propane Fitness podcast, and it's your two friends Johnny and Yusuf who Correct. run that podcast, and they also feature on Modern Wisdom as well. Um, mm-hmm. So there was a question we didn't actually talk about this yesterday, but I was thinking about it, and it's the idea of having a co-host on your show and finding a dynamic that uh, works. If you, if you are going to have friends, uh, people that you know on the podcast, if you don't feel confident hosting it on your own a lot of people do tend to go with a co-host but i feel that there can be some problems with that one one that jumps out at me is that if you're hosting a podcast with a friend or, or uh, with one of your mates then there is a tendency to slip into insider jokes or stuff that you you will understand which the listening audience will have no idea what you're talking about but obviously with johnny and yusuf they were experienced podcasters already. You didn't have that problem. But are there any advice you would give to someone that, you know, if they are going to start a podcast with their friends to make sure that the dynamic works well and comes across well when uh, listeners are listen, listening on an audio-only platform? Couldn't agree more. Yeah, great point there, James, and I'm glad that you brought it up. So, um, yeah, first off, credit to Johnny and Yusuf. Both of those guys have worked incredibly hard at monologuing, at podcasting, So it just happens that my two best friends are unbelievably capable (laughs) on audio platforms and and we have as close to a perfect dynamic on audio. So we recorded Lifehacks 111 last night and man, like it was it was just beautiful. There's actually if anyone wants to go and look at the um, what it's really like to live on Love Island, just Google that and it's on it's on YouTube. Uh, And if you have a look at that, there's a point within the first 30 seconds where Johnny says the word that is the next word I'm about to say in my <laughs> sentence, and then I continue the sentence, and it wasn't scripted. And it's like, you're not going to find... It is one in a, a million to find 
two friends that are that good. So a couple of things. First off, my advice would be do not use a co-host for your interviews unless you are desperate in, in need of backup. Reason being, scheduling is going to be a nightmare. You already got to try and schedule with whoever your guest is. Then you got to try and get the co-host around. Then you got to do whatever. Like make it your show. Like if you want to do it as Dan and Dave do fitness or whatever it might be, then cool. But personally for me, you just, there's layers of complexity that you're adding in. Um, the people that you do get on that you need as co-hosts, ideally they would have a podcast themselves. You know, that's a great way to do it because it, it is an art to learn when to stop speaking, which for me is actually the hardest thing. Like speaking more is not the difficult thing. It's speaking less that I need to learn to do. So yeah, I would say aim to do your one-to-ones on your own if you can. Um, call in friends. Another thing which we didn't touch on yesterday, actually, I like the idea of having Johnny, a Johnny and Yusuf um, set up. Joe Rogan's got it right when he's when he has his friends. He got Eddie Bravo. He's got you know the rest of his Brian Redban and, and the guys that he has consistently yeah, on Ari there. Shafir, Tom Segura. Yeah, yeah for sure. You know, like he's got his fallback, and that for some people they're not so bothered about that. You know, the end of um, sober October things. Some people aren't so bothered about that, but for like the old school Rogan listeners they're their favorites because it feels like being welcomed into a very familiar living room. Mm-hmm. And you've got, you've got these guys, oh, I know, I know his relationship with him and they, Oh, that's a callback to episode 530 where this happened, you know? And like, I, I've got that. So I, I do think if you can start to build up some sort of a, a consistent um, co-host routine um, and on top of that as well, for instance, it means that if you're going to record an episode, last night I got two episodes out in like three and a half hours. So I, everything's set up, video guys there, audio's set up, and we ju- you just go and you crack it out and you're like, oh my God, yeah, it's, you're knackered by the end of the night. You look back and you go, I've got so much content done in such a short space of time. And it was mint, and I was energized, and I got to kind of see my mates. It's, it's really good. Yeah. And the other thing as well um, is that with if you are going to do that, go down the co-host route, some people are immediately intimidated by the equipment setup. They think, oh, if I'm going to have multiple people on the podcast, it, it's going to be crazy. But one of the things that uh, I did notice about your setup it is like it's a plug and go setup. It gets the job done. <laughs> it requires like it's it, 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 basic it, as possible. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the MVP, and it, it does. It, like the thing is, you can listen to that, and it's not offensive to your ears. Like, and that's what you need for podcasts. At the end, of it. you need to appreciate that most of the people that are listening to your content are listening to it on earbuds. Um, so as long as you can get your your audio quality to a point where it sounds good, if you're listening to it on earbuds, then the quality of the content is what you need to focus on. I couldn't agree more, man. We we all obsess over, oh, what, what about the camera angle? Is my is the bass tones rich enough? Without thinking, have I garbled a, a, an intro? Or have I left these huge gaps in something? Or am I asking questions with three times the number of words than I need to? So my setup, for anyone that's listening, it's a Blue Yeti recording directly into GarageBand. There's a preset in the podcasting library of noises, uh, sorry, of sounds on GarageBand called Male Radio Noisy. Then the smoothing and the um, uh, denoise is just set to like 5%. 
export that. I run it through Orphonic, which is a desktop mastering program, and we'll make sure that it comes out nice and loud and it flattens out all of the sound so that if there's any quiet bits or any loud bits, it'll it'll stop it from popping in, in people's ears. And then it goes up. It's hosted by Libsyn, which is, I think, what Rogan still uses. Um, and that's it. Like, um, that that's, that's all I use. That's yeah. it. It doesn't need to be super complicated. That's something that we see all the time. People getting crazy hung up uh, on the equipment side of things. And it's like, yeah, you, you need to get the equipment right, but that's not where you should be you know, focusing 90% of, of your attention. Absolutely. Uh, so on that note, uh, talking about using your time wisely, this is one of the points that I thought was really interesting that, that we did cover yesterday. And that was uh, your point about doubling down on podcasting versus your other social media channels like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram because to get really good at anything, no matter what it is, you need to give it the vast majority of your attention. And when you speak to people who are at elite level at whatever they do, that's always what they've done. They poured countless hours of repetition into one particular thing and they've become amazing at it as a result of that. But lots of podcasters are doing their podcast, but they're trying to do every other channel under the sun alongside their podcast. And as a result of that, it's almost inevitable that the quality of your podcast will suffer. And it's not to say that there isn't any value to come from these other channels. But I wonder, Chris, if you could just share your thoughts on how you think about that balance. Yeah, I mean, first, I should have a disclaimer that I know what I should be doing, but I don't do it. Um, so I'm terrible again, my desire for novelty, my ease of boredom, like I I get distracted by shiny objects, but the optimal strategy is to pick the the ground that you're going to have your battle on and to just learn the, learn it from inside out. Right. So let's say that you are up against someone else and you are twice as talented or as hardworking or whatever it might be than this other person but you are doing two projects and they're doing one, they are on your level purely, you're being out-competed by the person who simply has one fewer thing to do than you do. And task switching, there's a a whole bunch of psychological analysis which has gone into task switching and the damage, terrible damage that it does to people. They become incredibly unproductive when that happens. But yeah, stick to what you're good at, you know, I the the minimum viable product for promoting a podcast is a thumbnail. Get a thumbnail of your guest, you know, put some big YouTube chunky text over it. Um that's that's cool if you've got someone who can um export a clip. There's headliner app. I'm sure that the the that you guys will have something probably coming out soon James that'll allow people to to clip um, uh, podcasts and export. We actually as well. integrate with Headliner, so that's uh, oh, already well, on the platform. Yeah, Headliner is legit. Headliner is really, really legit. So if you're on podcast, if you're on James's platform podcast, then you know a, a great way to export something to get the subs on. But like people, the way that people listen and click through from things, you you don't want to be drilling yourself into the ground trying to win at Twitter or win at Facebook or win at Instagram if your dream is to get a good podcast. Mm-hmm. So the quote that's, that summarizes this is Naval Ravikant, and he says, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. It's like, what is the prize for being the best at Instagram? I mean, if you want to be good at Instagram, that might be great. But for me, Instagram's just a tool for me to reach a bigger audience to drive them to my podcast which means that podcast has to come first mm-hmm. and everything else comes after. Yeah, 
Um, you were mentioning there about the the task switching, and I think it's it's Cal Newport. Um, he kind of he mentions that a lot. Uh, it's something that I do a lot of writing um, for my job, and if you've got chat open and you've got notifications coming through, and you pay attention to what's going on, you you do notice that every time my attention gets drawn off my, my primary task to to something else, the primary task suffers as a result of my attention being taken away and you, you can almost feel the cogs turning in your brain trying to get re-engaged with wherever you were um, when you left off. 100%. And when you scale this up over time, this is literally how we live our lives. You know, I know it sounds quite existential and a bit sort of cat- catastrophic end of the worldy, hmm. but this genuinely is, if this is the way that you spend your day, if you spend your day just playing whack-a-mole with whatever arises into consciousness or whatever arises into the notifications on your phone, this is how you will spend the rest of your life. And for me, again, I I am at the mercy of this. The reason I know it is because I'm patient zero, not because I've mastered it. (laughs) But the the point is, um, I know what should be done. And I'm I'm working sort of real hard to to try and do it. Quote from literally what I was listening to before this, Ben Bergeron's Chasing Excellence podcast unbelievable caliber of stuff two guys always the same two guys and it is insane and he says um when someone rings and he's sat down having dinner with his family they just let the the phone ring and someone asked him they were like mr berger on your phone's ringing and he says yeah the phone is for our convenience not for theirs and he's like oh ben (laughs) you're a badass you're a bad man so yeah i think that's the way to look at it yeah just valuing your own time um Mm -hmm. so uh, we're going to uh, kind of wrap things up, but there's just one more point before we kind of come to a close, and that is that podcasting is definitely a long game because unless you're already an established celebrity, it's it's going to take years to build up an audience unless you're one of those, you know, one in a thousand or probably not even one in a thousand. It's, it's, it's unlikely that you'll build up an audience within a year or within a few months. And as humans, we all want quick wins. We want results yesterday, but that's not what it's just not going to happen in podcasting. There will be inevitable ups and downs on the journey. Um, and you had mentioned yesterday about, you know, there are times when it's not super easy for you to put out content all the time. Uh, it, it might seem that way, but it, you, you have a personal life as well. You've got lots of other stuff going on. You've got a business to run. And I think that's the thing that a lot of podcasters struggle with. Everyone has so much other stuff going on in their life. Um, so what would be your advice in terms of, you know, building podcasting into a routine habit that you can actually realistically sustain over time? Yeah. So loads of things to go into here. First off, I think that picking a regular cadence to publish at is really good. It holds you accountable to yourself. It holds you accountable to the audience. It gives you deadlines to work down toward. And, you know, you can get away with a fortnightly, maybe even a monthly podcast. And you're like, ah, I can get the time to record and do all that stuff. I can sacrifice that every month. Okay, scale it up. Can you sacrifice it every fortnight? And you sacrifice it every week. Now you're really sort of starting to get into a commitment. And then stupidly at the start of last year, I, I made a commitment that I was going to do twice a week publishing. So I'm recording, editing, uh, publishing, and then doing all the back-end marketing and, 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 and stuff like that uh, twice a week, Monday and Thursday. Um, I 
picked Monday and Thursday to publish because I kind of felt like a lot of people want podcasts to get them through their work week. Um, so, you know, you can pick whatever you want, but if yours is kind of like maybe a, a, a weekly roundup or a kind of a lazy sort of Sunday chilled out thing or something to do with sport, maybe it might be a weekend. So yeah, first off, I would say pick the cadence that is uh, attainable within your life. It's pointless thinking that you're going to be able to do two a week, Monday, Thursday, and then within a couple of weeks, realize that you've burned yourself out. So that's, that's the first thing. Um, you touched on maintaining motivation uh, and kind of staying robust against some challenges that you might come up against in podcasting. And yeah, you know, I've never found a particular project in life that I've felt more drawn to doing, more capable at, more passionate about, uh, with more genuine interest, and potentially even now looking at the plays and kind of the trajectory, more longevity long-term than podcasting. Mm. And even I have to like grind my nose. So as I've, once I'm finished with you here, in 30 minutes, I've got another podcast to record. I want someone else's. And then it's Wednesday night. I'm going to let you see behind the curtain here. James Altucher part two goes out tomorrow. I haven't done the intro. I haven't done the intro. I haven't written the show notes. It is 8 p.m. on a Wednesday night and it's 6 a.m. That needs to go out. So I'm like, right, okay. But I've made the decision to myself that this project is worthwhile. And bizarrely, because there's that deadline, because I know I'm accountable now to myself and to the audience, like, you know, even if I didn't put it out, I can make some bullshit excuse. Oh, the, the internet went down, like, you know, whatever. I could say anything. Mm -hmm. But I've never missed a date when I've said that I'm going to publish something. Um, and I think, you know, holding yourself accountable in that way is a really, really good thing to do. Um, there's not many things now, especially you get to adulthood, you're outside of uni, you quite rarely held accountable in the same way that you used to be in school, right? You know, you haven't got assignment dates due in, maybe you got some stuff for work, but you know, who cares? <laughs> like, um, there isn't much that is like that. And, and I really, really enjoy the, the structure. Um, so yeah, that uh, it, it's not going to always be enjoyable is, is my point. Like it is going to be a grind at times but that is what makes it worthwhile to one degree now if you just want it as an absolute pure leisure activity then fine you know if you literally don't care about what the audience thinks about the frequency of the publishing about having this structure then just record them when you can you know do do two a week for a couple of months and then don't record one until 2021 that's fine but if you want to be accountable, and I think it's easier to have this as a structure, you know, take a bite out of that that cake sort of once every X number of days and keep on chewing away. Um, then with regards to play count and stuff like that, I think just, you know, the numbers will come. Mm. They, they inevitably will. And if you focus on the quality of your content and of continuing to do things right, it will. So perfect example of this. I did more plays in December 2019 than all of 2018. That's how it's hockey sticking at the moment. Uh, but it never, ever feels like a hockey stick. Because yeah. I'm, I'm in the weeds, right, every single day looking at my back-end stats going, oh, 4,000 today, that's, that's a good day. Oh, only, only 1,500 today, that's a, that's, a, that's a bad day. You know, like I am looking at that. So I, I've got a little bit more time, James, so we can kind of keep going. I've got something in my head here. So um, there's a mental model 
called Signal versus Noise. Do you know this one, James? Uh, I, it rings a bell, but it would be great if you could uh, outline it for me. Cool. So it is um, a mental model concept which I have learned from Shane Parrish, guy behind Farnham Street and The Knowledge Project. If you need another podcast, obviously subscribe to this one, sub- subscribe to James's, then subscribe to Modern Wisdom, which is mine. Uh, go, go do that. Then Chasing Excellence by Ben Bergeron and then The Knowledge Project by Shane Parrish. And it is unbelievable. Anyway, Shane says... Um, imagine that you were to that you were a trader and you're looking at a trade, a particular trade that you've put on. You look at the price. Look at the price once every year. You're going to see around about 50% noise and 50% signal. That means is that around about half of the information that's given to you is useful and the other half is kind of unuseful. Now, if you were to look at the trading at the price every week, you're probably going to see 90% noise and 10% signal, because the market might be moving all over the place. You don't care where it's at now. You care where it's at in a year's time or two years' time or whatever it might be. And then if you were to look at it every hour, it's 99.9% noise and 0.01% signal. And the the point is, we all do it, but looking at something that is so fine, fine-tuned and iterative as play count every single day achieves nothing. Now I say that and I can see on my computer that I've got the tab open that shows me my play count. But (laughs) again, like do as I say, not as I do, right? Or at least keep it in your mind that, right, I'm looking at this for fun. I'm not looking at this as a real feedback of how the episode's performing. And again, like if you have an unbelievable, an absolutely unbelievable episode, and for some reason it doesn't land, or your plays kind of are still just where they're at, then fine. Do you know what I mean? Like, you, why are you doing this? Are you doing this for an objective measure of success? Like some quantifiable metric that says you did this many good points today on your podcast? Mm-hmm. Or are you doing it because you want to kind of try and put out the best content that you can consistently with guests that fascinate you? You know, like that... Maybe some people are out there doing podcasts because they think that it's going to be, you know, there's big money in it or something, which like I'm telling you now there is not. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm, at, I'm at the stage now where I am about able to get some pre-roll ads on, like ish. And even with that, I'm kind of below the threshold for most companies to look at. And it's been two years that's essentially just thankless, apart from the intrinsic reward that I get from doing it. So you have to presume that if you are focusing on someone else giving you that sense of meaning from the project, it's it, it's going to be a long, very, very long road and it's going to sap a lot of willpower. So you might as well just enjoy the process, get people on that you think are good. And yeah, strategically get someone who you think, well, they'll be all right to speak to, but they've got half a million followers on whatever it might be. So, for instance, last night I had Chelsea Ferguson, the girl that owns AdmireMe.vip. So she's essentially started her own version of OnlyFans and has generated 10 mil in revenue in 16 months by selling nudes. And I was like, she sounds interesting. It'll be a fascinating conversation. But she's got more than half a mil followers on Twitter and her Snapchat has like 2 million people on it. So it, 
it's probably definitely worth my while having a conversation with her. And it turned out the conversation was mint in any case. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, take quite a holistic view of it. Don't look at the views too much. Don't look at the downloads. There's no virality with podcasts. So you're not going to see some insane spike. Now, you might see this on YouTube. Side point, we said it yesterday, but I'm going to say it again. I think you should put all of your episodes on YouTube. Even if you just upload them with a, an, a graphic equalizer waveform thing, you might as well put them on there because someone might discover it. The searchability is better. The virality is better. Um, I, I think that you should be publishing on YouTube as well, definitely. Uh, and then in terms of getting more exposure, further exposure, stuff like that, just keep on finding the guests, keep on connecting with people, ask the guests if they'd mind tweeting out about it, you know, play the humble card. I'd, I'm still doing it now. I'm like, hey, man, like I really I really want to grow the, the plays this year. I, I, you've got a huge following. I'd really appreciate it if you could post something out. That Tucker Max, five times New York Times bestselling author, like tweeted out like, hey, just did this podcast with this fella that I've never met. Like, there you go. Go listen. Mm. You know, it, it does grow. Yeah. And it is hard to kind of take a step back and look at it from a more long-term perspective. It's like we're habitually trained to look for the instant gratification. The culture is constantly telling us oh, the notifications, the likes, the the numbers, and that that we're all we are all guilty of it. It's really hard to to look at it in the bigger picture, but like that's just the reality of the situation. Podcasting isn't going to change. That's going to be the way that you're going to grow your audience it's going to be hard one and it's going to be a lot of hard it's kind of like um training in, in the gym like people want the results very quickly and that's why people struggle with it so much because the results only come of putting the work in day in day out um consistently over time and showing up even when you don't want to show up <laughs> yeah um, it's, it's a really good analogy actually to to do it to the gym because you know youtube would be more like um, YouTube would be kind of like posting booty pictures on Instagram and podcasting's more like going to the gym. And the point is that you can do something on YouTube which is completely unworthy of the amount of plays it gets. Hmm. Whereas with podcasting, it is the starkest, most brutal look at how many people give a shit about what you do. Hmm. And quite often it's, far fewer than far fewer than you want far fewer than you probably deserve because you don't have that virality with it but there's there's a real for me personally i find a real beauty with that like i really like the fact that podcasting is no bullshit at all like if you want to try and get someone to put you in their ears for 30 minutes or an hour or 90 minutes and you're to, you're, you're talking shit you're not publishing consistently the quality is bad whatever it might be it, you're going to last 2 minutes like that that is a fact and on the flip side how many of these troll youtube accounts i rang mini mouse and oh my god she answered four million views like what's going on but you you do not get that with podcasting it is a much cleaner medium like that so again you know every single play is very, very hard earned, very, very hard won, the same way that you said before. Um, I, I dropped that hack as well. Not everyone's going to listen to that Tim Ferriss thing, but um, you can hack the iTunes chart. Um, when you release your podcast and you start publishing it on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, if you release around about, an, if you release two episodes on the first day, then one episode on the, the second day, and then one episode on the third day, and you drive plays as hard as you can, I think you can probably make it to the top 50 within your category 
on Apple Podcasts in the UK, maybe not in America, it might be a bit more competitive. You can definitely make it into the top 50 with less than 500 streams, which is insane. <laughs> Absolutely mad. But the way that Apple Podcasts reward new shows that have got um, high traffic and uh, consistent episode publishing is disproportionate. And this is one of the takeaways from Tim Ferriss's uh, podcast. Um, so, you know, if you do that, backlog some of your episodes, get a bunch in the tank so that you've got, you know, maybe five, I think I had six when I released. And then I did that, I did one, two, and three within the first couple of days. And I was, I've never been as high in Apple Podcasts chart as I was the third day that Modern Wisdom existed, mm. despite the fact that I've now done orders of magnitude more plays. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's definitely another thing to take away. Yeah, so we're, we're, it, it can sound a bit pessimistic, but that's, it's just the reality of the situation. It's better to go into the, <clears throat> the journey of podcasting knowing what to expect, what it's likely to be like. And as you said, if you do focus on quality and focus on being consistent with the content that you're putting out. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. You can see the people who have done it. You know that it can be achieved. It's just that you need to be prepared to stick with it over the long term. I couldn't agree more, man. You know, I'm, I'm, despite the fact I've got a, a meager following on, on Instagram and, and Twitter, really that following's not where my podcast audience is. I had like... When I started Modern Wisdom two years ago, I had like 17-year-old girls who were 14-year-old girls four years ago, three years ago when I, watched, when I was on Love Island, mm. a bunch of them and a bunch of CrossFitters. Like, and you know, that was it, really. It wasn't an engaged audience, not for um, what is the likelihood that we are the only civilization in the universe. Can you please tell me about how we would decode the linguistics of an alien civilization's language? Like that, that is not, that is not a conducive audience to get that going. So, you know, if I, if I can do it and if I can, and fuck me, I've hardly made it, but if I can have a podcast, which at least permits me to get some guests that I find interesting on a semi-regular basis, then you can as well. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm conscious of your time here, Chris, and I'm very grateful that you did come on and have this conversation again. It's been great. I think, I think the second one might have even been better than the first one. James, I, so. Well, I'll, well I'll, I'll let you be the judge of that. I think, uh, yeah, uh, I was really sad when I lost the first conversation, but I'm glad that we, we did get to have it again. Um, yeah, and there, there's so much in there that, that people can take away uh, that, that'll help them when they're just starting out. Um, so where can listeners go to connect with you, Chris? Cool. So Modern Wisdom, wherever you listen or watch, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google, wherever it might be, um, or at Chris Will X, wherever you stalk people on the internet and send me money, send me presents, send me a DM, whatever it might be. Um, and yeah, man, I said it yesterday, but I say it again, I think the platform that you're giving podcasters here to talk about behind the scenes of podcasting to help new podcasts, new fledgling podcasts start, I think is really, really good. Um, I wish someone had sent me a podcast like this on top of the Tim Ferriss one when I'd started because I'd have just been like, oh, I'll go and have a look at what audacity, even if you just take you know a couple of things away. Every lesson that we've dropped today has been earned by two months of making errors. Mm. Like two months of me not getting the volume right until I found a mastering program that worked and was 40 <laughs> quid for a lifetime license or um, whatever it might be, you know? So yeah, I think 
what you guys are doing is like really, really awesome. And I look forward to seeing where it goes in the future as well. Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate that. Pleasure, man. See you All later. Right. On. See ya.